I think building stuff in the cloud and owning the infrastructure just makes so much stuff like so much easier. And it's frankly just like from like a business model perspective, like so much easier because like there's such a precedent for like running things in the cloud and charging for it today. Hi, you're listening to Scaling DevTools. Today, we're joined by Eric Bernhardson, who is the founder of Modal Labs. And I, Eric can correct me on this, but I think of Modal Labs as kind of like a Firebase or Vercel of doing stuff with data and LLMs. So you can't really run models in Firebase and uh, I, you can do it with modal. That's how I think about it. Eric, do you want to jump in and, and give a better explanation? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, by the way. It's exciting to, to, to be on this thanks podcast. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's roughly right. Like we think of ourselves as um, a cloud tool for or infrastructure provider for data teams and data products. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, usage in within general generative AI. So we focus a lot right now on people who want to run various types of models in the cloud and don't want to think about infrastructure. Uh, we, we also support all kinds of other stuff. So it, it ranges from like you know running stable diffusion, uh, text transcription, speech to text, uh, text to speech, video processing, but also things like computational biotech. We have a few users doing that or three D rendering, web scraping. Uh, it's a fairly general purpose tool in that sense. Yeah. And you've, is, you've just like kind of rattled like quite a lot of different use cases there. And I can see that is, is it like the general theme is like, if it doesn't, if it's stuff that doesn't work well with like traditional kind of serverless stuff or. Yeah, exactly. I think we, we, we spend a lot of time on making serverless work for data, uh, including building our entirely own proprietary infrastructure. So, so I think conceptually, like we we're somewhat similar to AWS Lambda in a sense. Like we you you describe sort of a container and um, you write the code yourself, and then we handle the scaling and you know resource management and provisioning and all that stuff. Uh, but very different in the sense that we focus a lot more on compute heavy jobs uh, that typically require a lot of GPU or you know need to run for a very long time uh, or have some other complex requirement on the environment. Yeah. Yeah. I I can say for myself I have been building something that use it that does like image process sorry um video processing and does transcription and does like um uses LLMs and it's so it's it's like so you kind of think that you can just go out and use like Heroku and you can just plug all these things together but then suddenly you've got like big packages You've got to store large files. You've got to, uh, you know, have these models, as you said, that take a long time. And yeah. it's just CUDA driver versions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then, so I've been using AWS, and I have to learn EC2 how to use that, which is such a pain. And then, yeah, it's expensive as well. And if you've got GPUs, totally. you could be looking at three hundred, four hundred dollars a month. Um, which you're not even yeah, using more. <laughs> very much. Yeah, more. Um, so yeah, I'm very. I think this is a very big I, idea. Um, and and business I agree, personally. but I'm biased. <laughs> um, so as, could you talk a bit about like how de like developers might? Because I think this is going to become more and more common for developers. And could you talk a bit about like the developer workflow for people working with these kind of building these kind of projects that use LLMs and models and stuff. 
Yeah, totally. So I, I started looking at this three, four years ago and started thinking a lot about like building better tools for data teams and was actually somewhat agnostic as to like what we would build. I, I really just wanted to focus on making data teams more productive because I noticed there's just a tool stack that's missing, I think, for them. Like they're running into a lot of like infrastructure problems and stuff. Uh, and, and started looking at like what are the things that like data teams that make their workflows unique. Uh, and, and some of the stuff, for instance, is like they tend to run a lot of things in production. They tend to run like more like non-standard like hardware, like GPUs. Um, they they tend to have like very bursty workloads, like you know, fan out and like you know, run things in parallel a lot. And like, um, but also like there's some like simplifications. Like they almost always tend to use Python. For so we decided we're just going to go all in on Python. Uh, so we decided to build this as like an end-to-end -end Python SDK. So, so unlike other frameworks, like Modal is not like an API. This is it's, it's like it's really just you're running code. Um, and so the way you interact with Modal is like you describe your compute environment in code, and it's commingled with the uh, with the with the app code itself. So basically, you can like define like here's my machine learning model. I want to like run this you know diffuser model or whatever. And here's the image definition, all in code. And that way, we, we have a way, a command line interface where you can just like deploy that into the cloud or just like run an ephemeral app. Uh, and, and the nice thing about Modal is we spent a lot of time on the container infrastructures and uh, basically built our own file system with a bunch of other stuff. So, in, in the, and what that enables us to do is we can take code on your computer and launch that in the cloud and execute it in basically a second in many cases, uh, which to me is like why like what I wanted to build in the first place. Like I wanted to build something that feels exciting to use, like feels like I'm almost running things locally, right? Like that has this sort of same feedback loop. Because I think that's the key to developer productivity is to have that like super fast feedback loop. Uh, and that's the thing you get with Modal and like many other uh, infrastructure providers. Like you don't have to like build a container, push the container to the cloud, like run the, you know, like you just like run the code almost as if you're running it locally, but it executes in the cloud. And it feels like it's executing locally still because it's so fast. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. It's like just building containers takes ages with these sorts of projects, right? <laughs> Alone. Yeah, totally. And it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, Docker, I think conceptually is a very cool tool. I always struggle because I find this command line interface super confusing. Uh, with Modal, you don't need to use Docker. Like, we don't use Docker. In fact, like, we don't, you know, you don't need to install anything to use Modal. You just, you know, do like, well, you have to install Modal, which is pip install Modal. And then you can immediately start running jobs in the cloud. Yeah, your uh, getting started guide is is very fast. I went through that. It's like super quick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And could you tell us about like what kind of people are like adopting modal, like, and why? Yeah, that it's been kind of a journey in itself. Like we 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 actually, it's funny because like when I started building this, and and I think still to some extent, my vision was always I want to build a general purpose tool. Like I want to build something that can run almost anything. Like almost like a Kubernetes for data team, but but in the cloud. Um, so so for a long time, I, I I try to sell this to like a lot of enterprise customers, and and you know it's a, it's kind of a hard sales process because you're you're trying to convince them to like switch something out. Uh, and then about a year ago, we started seeing a lot of traction. Suddenly there was a lot of like new, cool Gen AI models coming out. And, and a bunch of those people, you know, a bunch of people were playing around with those models and trying to deploy them in modal. And suddenly realized like, wow, there's a lot of people out there that want to run this stuff on modal. Maybe we should focus on this use case. Uh, and, and so that's been like the vast majority of our growth in the last year or so has really been like enabling that new cohort of in many cases, these, these are like traditional software engineers now coming into the data world 
uh, or, or people with like other different backgrounds. And a lot of those people, they, they don't, they're kind of starting from a clean slate. Like they don't have any infrastructure and they don't want to deal with all the traditional, you know, setting up Kubernetes and AWS and all that stuff. Like they just want to run something and, and make it work. Uh, and so we realized this is a great opportunity for us to, to, um, to offer a, serv- a, a service that's much better than anyone else. Uh, so, so, so a lot of the, the usage we've seen so far tends to be, you know, a lot of these stable diffusion, dream booth, control net, some of these like, you know, newer uh, language models, like a lot of people doing fine tuning on model, like running their own fine tuning. Uh, we see a lot of audio actually, uh, speech to text, text to speech. Uh, we see a lot of people using it actually for like music has been kind of an interesting use case, like a lot of like music generation. So there's some Gen AI algorithms for, for making music. It's kind of cool. Uh, and then more recently, we've seen a lot of video processing too, which is kind of exciting. I think there's a lot of like very interesting stuff where you kind of combine like sort of traditional like computer vision with like some of the new like Gen AI stuff. And there's some really cool applications that are running a model. Yeah, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, and how would you say these people are like discovering modal? It's all inbound. Like, it, I mean, like I'm maybe trivializing a little bit, like basically like, you know, I, I think so far we spent almost nothing on like sales and marketing. Uh, but that being said, like I always had a presence on Twitter, for instance, I was been blogging. So I think a lot of people have been discovering it through that. Like, you know, I have a little bit of an audience that I've been trying to like leverage uh, so a lot of people, the typical, you know, they, they come inbound and, you know, like, but they probably heard us maybe on a podcast like this or, or, or saw my tweets or whatever. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think of myself as like half, you know, social media intern, uh, head of social media. Like I spent a lot of time just like talking about modal and uh, writing blog posts or whatever. And, and that, so I, I think that's like been the channel so far that's been driving most of the growth. Yeah, that makes sense. Um do, when they come in, is it like, does there tend to be like a frustration that they are, are like f- kind of made them come and try out modal? Cause it can be scary sometimes to like change your workflow in a sense, not scary, but like there's a resistance to try something new sometimes unless there's like a real like pain. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, in terms of like user adoption and like onboarding flow and like how people get started, like. I don't know if like people come from like a position of like hating previous tools or just being curious about modal in general. Um, but, but like I most, spent most of my career on like consumer tools. So like, I think for me, like thinking a lot about like bottoms up adoption felt more natural to me. And, and so I think modal conception is like kind of hard to explain what modal does. I think to a lot of people, so I always like feel like the best way to, to, to sell the value for modal is to get people to try it. So a lot of like how I think about, sort of acquisition and adoption is like, let's get people to the website and then let's get them to try modal in like less than a few minutes. Right. So we spend a lot of time like optimizing for that flow. Like how do you get, how do you get people to install the app and then run some code in the cloud in, in, in just a couple of minutes? Like unlike a lot of traditional infrastructure setups, like there's actually a pretty complex configuration process in many traditional tools, but with modal, it's like, you just install a Python library. That's, that's it. And that's very intentional because I think, because so I think there's there's a lot of you know like value in like feeling that magic. Like I think the product like sells ideally sells itself better. And especially since we're focusing so much on developer experience, I want to like make clear to users in a few minutes like we were thinking about it differently. We were like like you're running things in the cloud like within a few minutes. Like that is 
part of like why the product is so good. Like you can actually do that without any hassle. Uh, and, and also why I think, you know, in general, like as I look at, look at growth going forward, like we're always going to focus a lot on self-service and sort of bottom up adoption. We've done like nothing top down so far. We'll obviously do that in the long run too. Uh, but, but bottoms up is where it's at right now. And that's why also I think a lot of our used to skew, I would say like early stage, a lot of indie hackers, series C startups and series A startups. It tends to be like the sort of earlier part of the company journey. Um, starting to get some enterprise customers too, but it's sort of, that's more in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it, it makes sense to me why you're getting that kind of user, uh, totally. It's like, cause they're otherwise forced to go and use like enterprise tools that just don't make sense for that. Yeah, totally. And, and the, one of the things I realized is like, those are very different parts of the segment. Like if you look at like startups, like they often like start out on one side of the, that spectrum, right? Like, you know, like we're focusing very much on bottom up, focusing very much on like early stage customers, many other, you know, tools focus on the other side of the spectrum. Eventually we'll probably like, you know, try to conquer the whole spectrum. But right now, like, right, you know, our acquisition is very focused on, on this side of it, like early stage. Yeah. And um, so it sounds like you've kind of found a really nice uh, place and uh, it totally makes sense. Um, what was it like when you, uh, when you got started? And maybe this is also, we didn't really introduce you, but um, for those listening, Eric is a very, uh, has had a very successful career, was like one of the early engineers at Spotify, um, I think was like the person that discovered that the freemium model actually works at Spotify. Uh, that's somewhat exaggerated, <laughs> but I, I did a lot of the early cohort analysis and, uh, uh, it was a very exciting sort of like for me to understand like startup math and like, you know, like really understand what makes a product like Spotify work on an economic, you know, in the financial side. Uh, yeah, that, that was a sort of formative experience in my career. Yeah. Um, you were very humble as well. Um, but so, and then Eric was also a CTO with, I think you had like 300 engineers in your team for better.com. Yeah. Something like that. 300, 400. Yeah. So how was it going from like being the CTO and having 300 reports to just, you know, going out and starting to, you know, the early days before modal was a thing, like, how did you go from there to, to modal? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like, I don't know, like I, I feel very good about like managing people, but also like having done that at large scale, like I, I managed like three, 400 people. Like the day I quit, I was just like, I just want to write code for like a year. And I kind of ended up, it was like so nice to just like, you know, sit and just like crank out code again. Like I, I felt young, like I felt like, you know, like reborn. Um, now I'm managing a few people <laughs> again, like we're 14 people. Uh, and, and I have no qualms about like growing that team and like, you know, starting more like doing more like management again. But uh, for, for, for at least for me, it, there was something very nice about going from like, and, and I've done that pendulum swing a few times in my career. Like I'm actually like, pretty happy, like, you know, going in both directions. But um, uh, at the time I started modal, like I went in like full on like hacker mode for like two years. I'm like finally coming out of that cave. Okay. And so how did you, how did you come out the cave? Was it... Um... Did you try lots of other ideas before you landed on modal? Yeah, I, I had a few other ideas. Like I, I thought a lot about, initially I was like very interested in like web scraping about some prototypes and I didn't really like feel like it was really exciting. And then, it, and then like I started thinking about the data stack in general. And originally I was actually thinking a lot about workflow scheduling because I, I have a background. I built a workflow scheduler back in like 2011. 
2012 called Luigi that a bunch of people use. So it's always been a space I've been like thinking about. Uh, another space I was thinking about is vector databases. I built a vector database in 2012, and that's like kind of funny. It's like coming back. Uh, but yeah, I built the workflow schedulers. I, I, I thought a lot about like, you know, maybe I should like turn that into a product. And then it's like, actually, like workflow scheduling is kind of annoying. To, it's like sort of hard to work with. And like, you really want to own the compute layer in order to like for, for a lot of the data stack. Like, like a lot of the foundational problems with the data stack, I think really, and what I realized is like really stems from like the, on the compute layer, like being like hard to work with. So I stopped working on the workflow scheduler. Still have the code somewhere, actually. It's kind of fun prototype. Uh, but yeah, I started working on what's now modal, like late 2020, early 2021, uh, and pretty quickly realized like this is what I wanted to do. That being said, I think a lot of the vision is very intact, but like the, the like how I think about like use cases has completely shifted, right? Like I I started building something that was you know I thought it was like this is going to be a replacement for Kubernetes, uh, and then like I mentioned, like we we realized like you know a year and a half in, like we barely had any users. I had a lot of confidence in the platform. Uh, being useful for something, but uh, it wasn't really clear, like, what's the killer app here? And then all this, like, Gen AI stuff started happening. And so that, that was obviously a very kind of, you know, serendipitous discovery that, you know, was great for us. It would have been hard. Like, I think we would have found something else eventually, uh, but I was very happy we have that sort of wedge, like that, you know, now there's like one place in the market where we have product market fit. Now the next challenge is like expanding that. Um, so... I think, I think now, you know, now that like growth is like starting to work and I feel like the like core technology is like kind of, un we understand it a little bit better, kind of going back to your question now, it's like for me, like, okay, let's come out of the cave. Let's like try to focus more on like user acquisition. Uh, Cause I, I feel like basically the last two and a half years, I've been like deep in like, you know, the rabbit hole, like building infrastructure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, now I'm ready to talk to customers. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and actually, like that's kind of a question that people are like. You're kind of going after people working with LLMs, I guess, uh, for customer acquisition. And like, how where do where do people building with LLMs like hang out and stuff like that? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I would actually say like it's been less LLMs than I would say like other Gen AI. Like LLMs are very API driven, so a lot of people building on LLMs like the money tends to like all the money tends to go to like OpenAI. Mm. Uh, in a sense, like it's like less common that people run their own LMs. We, we're starting to see a lot of these people doing more like fine tuning, and especially mm. there's some like interesting tools around like structured outputs. Uh, but to answer your question, like where do they hang out? Like I, I don't know. Like <laughs> I mean, that's Twitter, right? Like you know, like I, I think I'm in New York, so like I think San Francisco is probably a little bit more like a physical like scene. Like I, I get the feeling like people hang out actually in person and go to events and like talk all the time. There is a little bit of that in New York as well, uh, but I think it's less pronounced. Like I think, I don't know. Like the the, the the positive side of me says is because like people are so busy building, they don't have time to like go to these events. But I, I don't know. Like I, I'd imagine it'd be a very different sort of you know experience being in San Francisco. But New York's also a good place to be, um, and we're doing reasonably well. Just like you know, finding people on Twitter or like we have a Slack channel that people join, and sometimes like we start talking to people that way. And I, I think that's been a general experience. Like you know finding users. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, um, I know you've talked about a lot about like developer experience and stuff and have you had like any kind of process or like things that you would recommend that other people do, um, to kind of ensure that it's good experience for developers for their own, like you're talking about like dev tools founders. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think like a couple of like things I feel very strongly about, but 
I also like feel like it's like every product is like, you know, everything is like idiosyncratic, like not everything translates, but like, like just to tell you, like some of the things that I felt pretty strongly about is like one of the things is like, I was always very adamant that I want to run everything in our cloud and like just build like a multi-tenant system and not compromise on that. Like, who knows? Like maybe if someone in, you know, in the future wants to pay us a lot of money to run it on-prem, like we'll maybe have that conversation. But I think building stuff in the cloud and, uh, and owning the infrastructure just makes so much stuff like so much easier. Like you have full control of the infrastructure. You can upgrade the code whenever you want. And it's frankly just like from like a business model perspective, like so much easier because like there's such a precedent for like running things in the cloud and charging for it today. Um, that, you know, people sort of understand like, okay, I'm paying for your, you to run this code in the cloud or, or running this product. So I, I think that's like one thing that I've, Personally, like, you know, always been arguing for Like, you're always going to lose some customers that for security compliance reasons, like can't run the thing in the cloud. I feel like we have the, you know, time on our side. Like, I think every year, like people get warming, more and more warming up to the idea of like putting their stuff in someone else's environment, you know, starting with the cloud in 2008, like, you know, but now also like with products like Snowflake or whatever. Um... Some other things that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about is like just the like, and we talked about it, but like the onboarding flow, right? Like I think to me, like onboarding flow, a lot of like onboarding, like user acquisition, like the, the account creation feels like kind of jankily put together. To me, that's like the core product is the like, how do you get started, right? Like the core experience of the product is, you know, how easy is it to get set it up and, and launch this? Uh, similarly, I would say about docs. Like I feel like a lot of, products like completely mess up docs like they have this like amazing product but then you go to the docs like you know like one of the things i always, often do when i look at other developer tools is like like i want to understand it so i go to docs and then there's this wall of text of like key concepts we have a sprocket and a budonga and a cookie mookie and like wh- like what does it all do like how do i like combine it like just show me some code like how do i like build you know so that that's something where i feel like like just, you know, putting together a bunch of like hand, like nice sort of like examples of like, how do I get started? Like, I want to take this code and I want to run it. Uh, it feels like such like a last mile thing that, that I, I noticed a lot of dev tools that product, you know, could really do much better. Yeah. And I'm sure like everyone agrees with you in a sense that like these things, like if you said to any dev tools founder, like, do you care about docs? They're like, yeah, okay. Docs are important. Um, but then why do you think like some of them, when you go there and it's like, as you said, there's just like, there's a wall of text. They're telling you loads of like made up words that mean something in their, in their tool. Why do you think that's like so common? I, I feel like sometimes like, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but like one model of this that I have is that I think people approach like docs as like they approach code, which is like when you like write code, you like you take your thing, you break it down into like, you know, like things that a computer understands. So that's why like you end up with this like key concepts. You have to write this YAML. You have to do this like, but like you're not writing for a computer. You're not telling a computer what to do, right? And and when when you're like explaining, you know, when you're talking to a human, it's a very different thing. Like you need to like turn to think, okay, what is the mental model that this human has of your product? Like how do I convey the right way to think about the product to them? And I think that's a very hard thing to do. I think a lot about this like, with like designing APIs and designing SDKs as well. 
it's a very hard thing because you're, you know, like writing code for computers is kind of easy, but now you're actually writing code for a human, you know, and, and so you need to think about like what their mental model is of your product and like how they would want to write the code. And so, you know, so, so I, I, and I don't know, like it, it's a little bit of a different mindset that I think is not as common in software. I, I don't know, that, that, that's like one of my theories for like why some of these things are very hard. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I, I agree. It's easy to just break it down rather than putting yourself in the mindset of others. And I guess like watching people sometimes, I don't know, like see. I think it's really hard. It's like, I don't know, like I imagine like making music is very hard because like you keep hearing your own music, but then like you have to picture what is, you know, what does it sound like to a person who's hearing it for the first time? Like, I don't know. I, I just like to think about that as like kind of a weird analogy. Like, I don't know. It must be very hard. Mm, true, true, true. Um, and that's a good segue because uh, you, you're bringing up music and you, <laughs> you, <laughs> there's the Spotify connection. And I know that you were doing that's right. a ton of uh, a ton of like data stuff throughout your whole career. Um, so to kind of like step down a level, like how are you using data um, at modal? And like, are there any things that you would you found to be helpful? It's funny. I, we actually don't use it that much. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, to me, it's like data is always a tool, right? And like, I, I'm like, what, like, you know, if you talk about like, who, who cares about data? Like, who wants to build products of data in a way? I'm probably in like the top percent. Like, I'm obsessed with like using data when I can. But I'm also like, I, you know, to me, it's just a tool. And like, in some cases, it's just very hard to get the right data. Like, we're early on. Like, we don't necessarily have, you know, 100 million, you know, users, whatever, using us, like, like the sort of, you know, we have a very small N of customers that, you know, use us. So we, we use data a lot, like internally for like understanding, like operational stuff, like understanding latency, understanding utilization, like stuff like that. Uh, but, but it's been hard so far to look at like the onboarding funnel and understand the conversion rates and is it going up? Is it going down? Because frankly, the N is just not big enough. Which means, like, I think you have to be more quantitative, uh, qual qualitative. You have to kind of just like look at it. It's like, you know, it's like design, right? Like design. When when you're Google, like you can, you know, run an A/B test and try like different, you know, fifty-five different shades of blue. But if if you're not Google and don't have hundred million users, you're just gonna have to use your own like preference, right? Like this blue looks better than this blue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. That's great to hear. And I think probably like. Some people will seek, find some reassurance there from you. Um, but when you say like looking at qualitative data, like um, how, how has that been for you? Like, to, how are you looking? A lot of it is like talking to customers, frankly, right? And, and, and that's, you know, so, so we can't necessarily be data driven, but we can talk to a lot of customers and like we can get sort of qualitative data from customers. And I think that's very important to me because you have to have a feedback loop. And one of the things I care, you know, I, I thought it was very important for modal is that even though it took us a year and a year or maybe a year and a half to start having like substantial amount of like real users, like using those in production, we always try to put this in front of users. Initially that was just like friends and like people I knew and like, you know, I, I would demo this and like, you know, hear people's reaction. And I think it's very important to have those types of feedback loops. Um, and, and one of the things is like people will generally like, Give you feedback but it's often like kind of you have to like go a level be beyond what they're saying so it, it's trickier with like this this you know human feedback but like often you'll hear feedback like 
oh, it would be really cool to be able to do X, but then they have to kind of think, okay, well, why are they trying to do X? And then maybe there's something else that would achieve the same purpose that's actually much simpler. So I, I, I try to do that a lot. Like I try to talk to a lot of customers. I try to listen to like what features they want to have from modal. And then I kind of ignore that and try to understand like what do they actually want and then build that. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. That's, I think, I, I think that's, is it like the classic example of like people complaining about like the, how long the elevator takes and then someone just put like a mirror and then. Yeah. 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 yeah something like that. Right. Like, like they're bored basically. Yeah. I think that's right. Okay. Super interesting. Um, you should put a mirror in the, in the modal experience so you can <laughs> see yourself. I've always thought that like, yeah, <laughs> if you just put like a webcam, people wouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Except for the fact they're going to have to like agree to display the webcam, but yeah. Yeah. But like, here, here's like an example where like, I think sort of illustrates the, 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 the point I'm making, which is uh, specific about waiting is that I think traditionally, like you talk to a lot of people, they want to have ability to run infrastructure locally. Yeah. But then like, why do they need that? Like, and that's like what I realized, like at some point I had this revelation that like, actually the reason why they want to have an ability to run things locally is because it's fucking slow to run things in the cloud. But what if we fix that instead? What if we actually make it fast? And so that's why I got obsessed with this. Like, okay, what if we actually make like cloud running things in the cloud take a second? Now, actually, you don't need to have a local environment replicating the infrastructure environment. And things get so much easier because now we have this one environment that's running the same thing. That's an example of like how I think sometimes people like kind of vocalize like their problems, like they did, you know, come up with solutions that are actually not the right solutions. You kind of have to look beyond. Yeah. Actually like rogue question. Oh, when I did it, yeah, it was like super fast. And is there any like kind of, do you ever have any issues where people just don't realize what you've done because it was so fast? Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, it, yeah, no, I, I don't, I think, I think people realize it's still running okay. in the cloud, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. If you had any advice for any founders listening, um, what, what would you share? To me, the best advice or like the, the like what I always like think, I, I, like, again, like I think like advice is like very like, it has to be like reinterpreted, you know, within the context of every company because every company is different. But like personally, I always feel like the more I spend time on the core product and just like build like good stuff, you know, the easier things get. Like I... I like I, I'm, you know, I feel like the like advice today is like, you need to be out there like selling and you'd be out there like doing marketing. Like I actually didn't do that for like two and a half years. Like now I'm like starting to do it. Like I just focus like all of my energy on like, let's just build a good product. Uh, and, and so, you know, but, but validating that with real users, like what good it is like, you have to validate that. And, and, you know, so far up until a few months ago, we were 12 people out of, you know, out of which 100% were software engineers. We were 100% software engineers very recently. So, so that's like one thing where like, I feel like I've gone a little bit against the grain, like just focusing on just like only hire software engineers. Everyone just builds the product, spend all the time just, you know, focusing on like building the absolute best product uh, and, and almost nothing like trying to market it. Um, that's maybe like one of the things where, I don't know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'll have to like, you know, maybe I'll regret this in, in the future, but like so far that's been, uh, going pretty well for us. Yeah. That's awesome. Actually, I think we've had some similar advice. It's not common, but some people have said this as well. So definitely seems to be a winning formula. Yeah. I, I guess there's a few. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Um, so if people want to learn more about um, modal um, or if there's anything you want to share, Eric, um, let us know. I mean, I, I, I think the best thing is to just try it out, right? Like go to modal.com, M-O-D-A-L, um, play around with it. Um, if you like it, that's awesome. If you don't like it, I would love to understand why. Like I'm always like curious to hear like feedback or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I, I think the best way to like learn more about Modal is to 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 to, to try it out or, or read our docs, modal.com slash docs. Awesome. Um, and very nice domain. So uh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back again soon. Awesome. Thanks for hosting me. Thanks, Eric.